Hey guys, it's Bobby Marks, SBC's lead instructor. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Business Classroom Business of Basketball Immersive Experience in Las Vegas. Taking place July 14th through the 20th during the Las Vegas Summer League, the Business of Basketball program is an immersive training and educational experience for the basketball leaders of the future. If you dream of working in basketball and want to take your basketball experience, knowledge, and network to the next level, this program was designed for you. Majors include the league salary cap, scouting video and analytics, and media broadcast. This is an amazing opportunity to invest in your future and the chance for you to prove that you have what it takes to work in business of basketball. Listeners can take advantage of early bird pricing at sportsbusinessclassroom.com. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Please note that space is limited and this program will sell out. So if you're interested in taking your basketball career to the next level, head on over to sportsbusinessclassroom.com today. Welcome back, everybody, basketball fans. Uh, We're glad to have you back on another great episode of NTC. This is our 12th installment. John is back on the mic with me, um, my fellow host here. We're glad to be back in the house. He's rocking G League. I'm rocking Miami Mashup this evening for our uh, for our podcast. So, you know, we're looking a little festive and we're ready to get this thing going. So for this installment, we wanted to touch on two news stories that are pretty relevant. And, you know, as of this recording on Sunday afternoon, um, this came up today uh, in our time. So we wanted to touch on Luke Walton getting the ax, which is a long time coming. And me and many other people are glad that it finally happened. And then of course, Clay Thompson, uh, rounding the last kind of little corner of his rehab and about to make his return to the Warriors lineup. And, uh, we wanted to touch on also the Warriors incredible success so far this season through 16 games. So we're going to get to that here in a little bit, but John, I wanted to, um, just kind of preface this podcast by saying, you know, Luke Walton, great guy. You know, he had a solid career as a player. Uh, you know, he has a, you know, a lot of things to be proud of, but this, this tenure in Sacramento just wasn't very successful. You know, he only won 68 games, um, lost to 93. That was his final record as a Kings coach. Uh, this was the sixth season total coaching. Uh, he had three years with the Lakers previously. He had two full seasons with the Kings. And then this was his third season and he didn't even make it to 20 games. So makes me think maybe the Kings should have just given him the ax during the off season and not even give him this opportunity, but anyway, either way it goes, it's happened. And I have a lot to say on this, but I wanted to get your initial reactions first before I kind of dive into some details. Um, you know, are you in favor of this ax as me and other, other people are? And if so, you know, where do you feel like the Kings go from here now that the move has been made? No, when we were doing this show, I have to be honest, when I saw the tweet come through this morning, I think I was, I was having breakfast, lunch. I looked at it. And I was like, okay, well, Aaron's going to have a field day with this one. I knew, it was, I knew it was coming. But my quick reaction is that I'm not too much, whether it's, I mean, expecting it for sure. Yes, I was. But whether it's happy or upset or that reaction, really, I mean, obviously always err on the side. I, I, I always feel bad for someone that just, you know, has to now move or lose their job or anything like that. And of course, there's ramifications for him, but also his assistant coaches and, you know, the entire chain. I'm, I'm sure he'll get replaced by Alvin Gentry. That's, those are the reports, and that's what makes the most sense. He'll be the interim, and he has so much experience coaching in the league for as sure. a head coach and finding success. But, I mean, with Luke, I mean, we'll see. He's obviously had not the, be- not the best run with Sacramento, if we're going to put it bluntly. And uh, obviously, 
Um, even his other stops, he's, it's not like he always left on you know, in a great spot with some of his other coaching tenures. Right. So definitely not his coaching career hasn't been exact hasn't been all smooth sailing, um, especially you know, since his run with the Warriors at that one that one point when they when he kind of helped them with that that big win streak. But obviously yes. that's the Warriors, who we'll talk about later on in the show. But yeah, right off the bat with him, I wasn't too surprised. Mixed feelings about whether it's like a, it's probably a good thing for the Kings, but then again, they've cycled through head coaches since you know they've had like what nine or ten head coaches since 20, 2006 since they've last made it to the playoffs, yep. and hasn't really helped them very much. These coaching changes don't normally help. Now, Ryan McDonough actually made an interesting point on Twitter when he said how whoever inherits this team, likely uh, Ryan Gentry, um, is going to have a much better situation than a lot of these past Sacramento Kings head coaches, whether it's with Darren Fox and the way he's playing, how these other guys have developed some of the lottery picks that they have, some of the picks they have for the future. Um, some of the assets they have that most other Sacramento Kings head coaches have never had before. That's a good thing, I guess. But other than that, it's still, I mean, everything regarding Sacramento has always been kind of murky and, you know, kind of uncomfortable to talk about because they just haven't been good for such a long time, but yeah. we'll see how, how, how they're able to play this out. And if they're actually able to use this young core for anything. Yeah, man, I think the, uh, the the positive kind of spin on this is that, you know, they parted ways before the season got completely out of the, out of hand. I mean, they're six and 11, so it's a bad start, but they made the move before they got too deep kind of in the hole, so to speak, to the point where they're kind of basically out of playoff contention. As of today, they're 12th in the West, but, you know, a nice little wing streak gets them right back in the plan conversation. So it's not like this is too late for a move. So they do get props for that. Uh, a couple of points, you know, going back to what you mentioned, you know, first you mentioned the fact that Luke Walton hasn't had a lot of success in his entire career. He's only won, you know, his best mark. Uh, he won 37 games with the Lakers uh, a few years back. That was the best record that he had as a head coach. So not a great track record at all. Uh, and then his other seasons, he came in below that. So in the thirties and in the twenties, as far as win totals. So now that you want to see from a coach that's trying to build, uh, build teams, because he had multiple seasons with two teams. And it seemed like they didn't improve overall. And that's the biggest indictment, I think, on him as a head coach. And then also, you mentioned the fact that the Kings have had a lot of coaches in the past few years. I mean, that's completely true. I mean, we think, think of Dave Yeager, Mike Malone, George Carl, all these guys. Get this, man. Four coaches in the last seven seasons. So that's an average, like, what, two, two and a half seasons per coach. There's no way to build chemistry build a foundation like you go look at some of the best teams in the past several seasons Miami the Warriors we keep going back to the Warriors uh you know the Spurs you know teams that had prolonged success they didn't cycle through coaches they had one coach and the coach just wrote it out there's ups and downs sure but that one coach kind of had a philosophy had a system they're still adaptable but there's some consistency there and that's how you kind of build a good organization a good team and the, the Kings are just missing the boat on that. So that's definitely disappointing. But there's a question that's kind of been coming to my mind today as I look at this contract for Luke Walton. He's still guaranteed $11.5 million over the next two seasons. So this season currently and the next season, 22-23, uh, he still has money on the table. So I want to get your opinion on this because it with every contract that a coach signs, they're three, four, five years long. That's the first problem I see. And then secondly they get all their money regardless of whether they get fired or not. They're all guaranteed. So I wonder why coaches just have this long leash. They get long contracts. They get guaranteed money. And it seems like it just kind of blows up in people's faces more often than not. So, I mean, 
I just wonder why that is. I just want to present that question. And then maybe if anything comes to mind for you, feel free to let the people know, because I'm definitely kind of confused on this as I look at the situation uh, that Luke Walton has found himself in. And now the Kings have to back up the money, even though he's no longer the head coach. I'm sure a few of our listeners are pretty surprised by what you just said, because I honestly didn't know some of those points about how some of these coaching salaries work. So that's, that was actually pretty fascinating to think about. Yeah. And the first thing that came to my mind is not so much about the head coaches, but more so about the assistants, how maybe unfair that they or how different that situation is from what most assistants deal with most assistants. And I, I don't think that the Kings will have this problem because if they promote Alvin Gentry, he'll probably keep the same staff on board. I doubt he'll really, uh, he'll really have a, a go through a clear house, but at the same, in the same way though, most in most situations, when the head coach gets fired, the entire assistant coaching staff's revamped. I've, I mean, I saw that, obviously, a lot of my guests from Gen Z Hoops were assistant G League coaches, and I think there were like 12 new head coaches in the G League this year. So complete, when I say completely revamped, I had a lot of guys from my show that had to find new jobs, and a lot of them thankfully did. But that, you know, it's not an easy thing to do for a lot of these people, whether it's the G League or the NBA. The NBA obviously being even harder because it's, that, that's not, you know, the NBA is not known for the job search, and they're being very kind to that in many cases. So it's, it's tough for a lot of assistant coaches to, to I mean, they have such a short leash. We're talking about the long leash that uh, head coaches have. That was shocking to me because I, I always have thought of coaching as like, okay, like it's such a, you know, it's, there's so much, there's so much risk involved. There's so much situation involved, yeah. but for a coach, for, I mean, I, I honestly had no idea that head coaches have that much leeway to, you know, to really lose a bunch of games and, and perform terribly and still get the money that they were owed from the start when really assistant coaches don't get that same luxury um, sure. and they have much less job security. So that is, that was first off completely shocking to me. And I wanted to point that out because that's, that's a side that most casual fans don't think about. And I think that it's something we really need to mention more is the difficulties that come with being an assistant coach in the league and maybe not even assistant coach. That's even, let's go even further down the chain to like play around the guys, interns, whoever it might be like, they're very tied to that head coaching decision. And we've had a lot of people, I mean, I think Mark Cuban has been uh, vocal about saying how, a lot of times, like, you know, changing head coaches really doesn't do much, like in terms of, you know, like at, at a certain point, you can't just keep on bringing a new guy when the problem, you know, there's, there's sometimes other problems that you know exist, like whether it's the front office stuff or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but still, that being said, that's what came, uh, stuck out to me at first when you said that. Second off, I'm, I'm surprised that, that uh, organizations are willing to make that much of an investment onto their coaches. I mean, as a, even as opposed to the players, obviously the NBA has seen a, a huge growth in the percentage of, of, of uh, contracts that are guaranteed compared to a lot of other leagues, especially the NFL and leagues like that where guaranteed contracts are shocking and the NBA it's the other way around. If it's a contract isn't guaranteed, you're like, wh whose agent was that? Like <laughs> whose agent let this happen where this contract isn't guaranteed? Oh, well, I'm sorry. You fumble the bag. That's what you think of a lot of times. You didn't get him yeah. money. He, he, he missed the boat. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's always shocking. So to think that head coaches get the same luxury as a lot of these high, you know, these really high market players is pretty, it's also pretty surprising to me, especially in a situation like that in Sacramento, where I think everyone like when they've cycled through the coaches that fast, they could, there's no way they would have thought, okay, this is our guy for the next 10 years. I doubt they thought that. So yeah. it's surprising that that's kind of the culture we have with, with coaching hires, um, I honestly had no idea about the uh, financial ramifications for it that you just articulated. So thank you for that. And I'm sure our listeners are, are, are really thinking this through right now too. There's so many other coaching situations I can think of, the, of this being an issue in. And that's, that's shocking to me. That's surprising. And I, I really think this is something that we need to talk about more. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think about it very often. I don't think a lot of people do uh, just because we don't give a lot of thought to head coaches. We always talk about the players the players are the, the product. I mean, they're the people that we come out to see every night. So, I mean, they rightfully get a lot of the attention. We don't really talk about ownership all that much, coaches, because they're more behind the scenes. They kind of orchestrate the moves 
And then once you get to the season, it's like, hey, it's about the superstars, the role players, you know, who's actually producing on the basketball court. But I think there is a conversation to be had about these contracts because, I mean, how many times do you really see a head coach get hired and they last longer than three seasons, honestly, especially if it's a coach in the midst of a kind of like a rebuild, like a retooling period. A lot of times it doesn't really work out. I think of Lloyd Pierce in Atlanta, you know, he only lasted maybe three years. He didn't even make it out of the rebuilding phase in Atlanta. You know, as soon as they got good, it was like kick him out, kick him to the curb and, and bring in McMillan to take his place. And it's just kind of confusing to me because in you know, a lot of times when you bring in unproven players or players that are coming off an injury, you build some insurance by incorporating some type of non-guarantee into the deal whether it's, you know, in the second season and third season or whatever the case is, it provides you a little bit more of a safety net in case the player doesn't really produce to the level you expect. Uh, I, I just wonder why that isn't the case for coaches because, you know, you stated, you know, Luke Walton coming in probably wasn't a guy that they might not have thought he was going to be the guy for a, lo- a long-term, you know, a stint there. Uh, and then sure enough, he only lasts 2.2 seasons, I think, honestly, So, you know, if he has, you know, he had prior experience, so maybe he gets more money guaranteed than like a first time coach, but still his Lakers tenure wasn't that great. The Warriors tenure, I think was a fluke that we touched on earlier because that was, it wasn't even a whole season and the team was already built for success. So the fact that he won so many games, I don't give him a ton of credit for that. Uh, So that's why I keep coming back to this whole coaches guarantee thing. If you bring in a first time head coach, I feel like there should be either a smaller commitment in terms of years, or there should be more money not guaranteed in the deal. It just seems to make more sense from a financial standpoint. So not sure. I mean, maybe there's something I'm missing with that as to where they can't do it, but I would like to see it in the future. That way the teams don't get absolutely, you know, been in the rear, so to speak, going forward, because they got to pay Luke Walton $11 million to go away. It's just not a good management of resources. I have to imagine it has a lot to do with just the way the market's been for years. Like if they, if they weren't going to give him that money, they would have had to give it to somebody else with a similar, whether it's experience or just head coaching pedigree, because you really can't, it's tough to, for an organization to justify hiring someone with no pre- previous experience or no, like, like that, like they probably needed to get someone uh, at, at his level of, okay, play the NBA, check that box. Let's say, um, had, had, had this experience with other teams. Boom. Okay. Like it's, it's, a, it makes sense of like the hire makes sense. Now we kind of have to pay him this much because that's what everyone else in the league is getting almost. So that, that probably has to do a lot with it. So maybe that system's broken. We'll have to talk to some of our guys over at SBC uh, to see what they think or what, how maybe that market's changed. Because I wasn't around to see this stuff happen 20 years ago, but that's probably where a lot of these trends started coming up. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I mean, we have a lot of very smart people out there, you know, from SBC and other uh, outlets that can definitely shed some light on this for us. So that's something that I think we're going to have to come back around to get in a coach, a former coach, assistant coach or something to help shed light on the situation so we can start to understand exactly why the contract structure the way it is. Um, because at first glance, it just seems a little bit dicey that they would hand out so much money to guys that may not be there that long. But I'm sure either way, we're going to get a good answer on this because we have some great people we can talk to. But in the meantime, I wanted to shift gears to how the Kings are going to go forward from this because they're still in the midst of a season that's a big, it seems like it's a big potential, you know, make or break season for them. Uh, You touched on earlier that the fact that, you know, coach comes in, I think you said um, Ryan McDonough touched on this. Uh, The coach that comes in is going to have an opportunity. There's going to be a real 
um, you know, foundation with Fox and, and Holmes and Halliburton to come in. That's 100% sure I agree with that because there's a lot of talent on this team. Even Harrison Barnes has been having like a breakout season. He's been great so far. But, you know, you got to manage these resources better. Uh, ownership, I think, has to be better. Uh, you know, you're, you're out here drafting Marvin Bagley. I, I think we talked about this before, you know, how they're just really that draft is coming back to bite them. Marvin Bagley is making $11.3 million to sit on the bench. So, I mean, a guy that's like 22, 23 years old shouldn't be getting PTO. He's way too young for PTO, man. Like, I, I see guys like Al Horford and John Wall getting PTO, not freaking Marvin Bagley the third. I mean, that's it's too early for that, man. So that's not what I want to see from somebody that young. Um, but expanding to the rest of the roster, you know, Fox has had some ups and downs this season. That's not helping them out. Uh, they're paying Buddy Heal $23 million to come off the bench. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a part of their long-term future the way that um, Halliburton is and Davion Mitchell. So I would like to see them move on from him. You know, that trade with the Lakers, that almost happened. I think that would have been a lot better for their long-term outlook uh, than keeping him around. But just overall, I look at their salaries. I look how they've kind of constructed this roster. It's not very balanced. They have some great guard depth. Uh, they have some decent centers, although they've been underwhelming. And then they're just completely lacking in the wing department. You know, after Harrison Barnes, it's like, who is a good three or four you can bring in after that? You know, Chamaz, uh, Chamaz um, Metu is coming in and playing some minutes. You know, he's okay. Mo Harkless is whatever. He's not all that great either. They're just really lacking. So roster construction is not there. Uh, the defense still isn't great. They're 24th, I think, in defense so far this season. Bottom third again. So there's a lot of areas they need to improve. So whoever comes in, they're going to have their work cut out for them because the Kings want to make the playoffs. It's been a long time, but there's a lot of work left to do. So we'll see where it goes from here, but I'm just not still not very uh, optimistic about their odds of making the playoffs this season because they still have some deficiencies. They don't seem to want to fix even after all these years. I mean that that uh, it's funny because it's funny, but like also not funny because what Ryan McDonough said is true that this whoever this new Kings head coaches will have a better situation than Kings head coaches have had in years past, and it's still not a very good situation. Like it's still That's by true. no means a good situation, but it's the best one they've had recently because okay, they have some players that could you know that would start on most other you know they have, they have some pieces here, they have some assets here. When in years past they've had absolutely nothing, so like yeah. it's 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 kind of like you may kind of make that effort. It's a, there's an emoji for this, like you know, when like the it's, it's like the one where like the just teeth are showing. It's like it's kind of like you're in shot. You're kind of like oh yikes, like, like it's like yeah, it's like the yikes emoji. Um, really thinking about the Sacramento Kings, um, and and what's maybe going on there. Marvin Bagley, I I had we had to touch on this because his situation is just really really messy Terrible. over there with with that. Um, yeah. Whether it's what his agent tweeted out or I, I feel it feels like there's always something new coming out there that's just not. It just, it just makes you go, yep, that's the Kings, and that's kind of a little bit unsettling. Kings so, to the Kings, man. Yeah, Kings and the Kings. But, but, I mean, look, baby, you also – so at the same time when I see stuff like that about the Marvin Bagley situation, I see uh, Damian Mitchell, who has the coolest nickname in the NBA, by the way, by a mile. I think that Off Night is oh, by far the coolest nickname. I don't think anything comes close. Love that. Um, but when I – when I see clips of him locking guys down or the graphics of like, okay, he held this superstar at two for 17 or some, some crazy number like that. I'm like, okay, like there's gotta be something good coming there. Like they made the, like they're making some right choices. It's just, you know, when a, when a right, a right, these right choices are kind of getting canceled out by bad ones and they just have to make a couple more good ones in a row. 
just one or two more. Is this is the Luke Walton firing going to be a good one or like an eh one, like where it doesn't really change anything? We'll see. We'll see if Alvin Gentry, when he steps in, is able to do anything or if they're able to make a move that you know, puts them in that positive direction. But as of right now, it feels like they're trading good punches for bad punches, if that makes sense. And it's not really going it anywhere. It does. Uh, I think the best way to kind of sum that up is like they take one step forward and two steps back. Kings are just notorious for that. And they make a good decision. It's like, hey, we have DeMarcus Cousins. We have Mike Malone. There's a good start. And then they fire him. And I was listening to the Low Post podcast the other day, and this is exactly what they said about the Kings. This is before Luke Walton got fired. They, you know, I think Zach was saying, you know, the Kings are great at making a great move and then just canceling it out with a bad move and just wiping it off the table. This is 100% agree with that. And this situation just kind of reinforces that. So, Going forward, I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely, uh, you know, a mismanage, mismanagement of assets, bad habits, bad fits, and they just kind of go in circles every year. And you, you hate to see it. You want to see this team prosper and make the playoffs for the first time since 2006. I mean, really blows my mind it's been that long. But it's not hard to see why that is because they just keep just kind of falling, tripping over themselves, shooting themselves in the foot with bad contracts and, and things like that. So, more of the same from the Kings, but at least Alvin Gentry is coming in to take over the ship. He's a great coach, and I think that he is probably one of the best guys at this point that can come in and kind of start to turn this thing around. Maybe there's an uh, Atlanta Hawks effect where there's like a new voice that comes in, a veteran coach, kind of like Nate McMillan for the Hawks last season. Maybe he could turn things around. And, you know, Alvin Gentry, I've gotten to talk with him a few times through SBC. Um, spoke with him at summer league um, a couple months ago. And um, I think he, ha- he has what it takes. I mean, he's had success before as a head coach. So if anybody can get this done, I think Alvin Gentry has the chops to do it. Um, he's a great coach overall. So uh, moving on here, man, we've touched on the warriors a few times already. I, I figured that we might as well just dive into the situation. And um, I was at a friend's giving party last night and I ran into somebody that's a warriors fan and, you know, she's super excited. She's super hyped about it. And I just told her, I was like, I can't believe this team is 14 and two. You go look at the roster, you see Curry and you're like, oh yeah, Draymond. Yeah. He's that guy. But then you see like Gary Payton, the, the second and Bielitsa and Otto Porter. I'm like, no, 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 no. That doesn't really make sense in my mind how they're 14 and two. Like if they were, uh, let's say 10 and six. Okay. I, I expect that, you know, they're a good team. They have a good roster. But I just never imagined them to be, you know, vastly improved on offense, just as good on defense as they were last season. Ball movement is back. Uh, the 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 discipline is there. The coaching is there. Steph's going to Steph. So I'm just super impressed. And to top it off, Clay Thompson's around the corner. I, I'm, I'm I hate to see that he might not be coming back for the the matchup in New York and in December. It might be just after that game. But either way, man, it's, it's exciting to see Clay back. The NBA is a better place with Clay Thompson back. So I can't wait to see what he does for this team. Uh, now that the Splash Brothers are going to be back in full force for the first time in almost two and a half years. Really just hard to believe. It's going to be special for sure. I thank you for your condolences for what might be a slightly 
less interesting game on when the, when the Warriors can play the next, it'll still be a lot of fun. I've never seen Steph Curry in person. So I'm excited for it no matter what. And if Clay's in a, in a sweatsuit, that's fine. It's, it, it, we'll, we'll still have a great time, but really excited for that. But in general, this Warriors team, and you mentioned, right, how a lot of these guys maybe aren't household names yet, right? I mean, of course you see Steph, you see Draymond, okay, this team should be really good. Uh, they're among the teams, among the NBA's elite, you know, when, when, when healthy year in and year out, not just because, of the, I mean, sure, they had, you know, those monster years when they had KD on the team and all of that stuff, of course. That's obviously going to, that's, that there obviously was a talent in, you know, complete overload there. But right now, even years when they wouldn't have those guys, they were still a really elite team because they had the piece, they had the team that they wanted. They always had the system in place and the players outside of maybe 2019 when Steph got hurt and even before he got hurt, they still were kind of shaky. For the most part, they've had the roster they've wanted, even if it wasn't, you know, it didn't make for a cool Instagram graphic because you had like five all-stars in the picture. Right. It was always still a team that they wanted to have. So that's something I think really, we really need to take notice of in it. Cause that really stands out to me is like, they've always been really happy with the team that they've had and they've always found success because that team always finds a way to play together. And you'll always see, I mean, right now I can go through the numbers right now in terms of they're not just, they don't have a great record. Um, the Warriors this season are okay. Number one, first in record. First in net rating, first in defensive rating, first in points per game, first in assists per game, first in field goal percentage, and first in threes per game, and second in a lot of other categories that I can go into. But those are some really important categories to be first. And obviously, it's it's Boesi's or mind us over and over again. It's still November. If anyone follows him on Twitter, he always claps back with that. And of course, uh, uh, it always goes back to MJ. Those are his two like things. It's it's November. Like calm down. But at the same time. They've done it enough against enough quality teams and they've done it consistently enough to where I think we, have to, we really have to start taking them seriously as, as a team that even if Clay comes back and he's not himself, could be serious title contenders. Oh, yeah. hundred percent, because you got to think about it. Clay was one of the primary defenders on the opposing team's star player when he was healthy. But now with this supporting cast that's highly switchable. So if you have Draymond out there with him. If you have, uh, you know, Iguodala maybe in certain possessions, uh, Andrew Wiggins, who's been a very solid defender this season. Ever since he got to the Warriors, he's been a much improved defender. Uh, Curry, who's actually been very solid defensively this season. Great hands as always, great instincts. So he's not exactly a weak point on, on defense himself. You add all that up, and now Clay doesn't have to carry the load on defense. And then the same story on offense. You bring in Jordan Poole shooting the lights out, being a you know, very effective starter next to Curry until Clay comes back. Now, Clay can ease himself back into the rotation because he's not the savior. You're not looking at Clay and saying, like, you need him back immediately because we're drowning. I mean, they have the, they have the best record in the league. Uh, like you mentioned, it's like the best net rating. Like, their, their stats are amazing across the board. Uh, point differential, you know, all, all over the place. They're just dominating, not just barely eking out wins. They've won 14 of their first 16 games. And the two games they lost were by single digits. So, I mean, they're just absolutely torching the competition. So Clay can ease his way back. He can play maybe 15 to 20 when he first comes back. And, you know, he can come off the bench for a little bit. He can let the team kind of continue to flow because they're in such a good rhythm right now. And he can just say, hey, I'm just going to come in and give you some spot minutes, uh, you know, play some, some good defense, do a lot of switching, make the open three. And then as he gets more comfortable, that's where you're going to see him assume more usage, more touches, uh, just be a bigger part of the offense because he's going to be more comfortable coming off of two major, major injuries that are some of the worst that you're going to see in basketball. So I think just the fact that he's back 
um, first and foremost, requires a lot of applause and a lot of respect because that's not easy to deal with one, let alone two injuries. And I'm sure for, you know, the Warriors pockets are going to really benefit from this as well, because we forget this sometimes, but he's one of the highest paid players in the entire NBA. This season, he's on tap for almost $38 million and he's owed 83 to 84 million for the last two years of his deal for, you know, 22, 2022 to 24. So as far as the Warriors Money, the cap situation, I mean, this is huge for them because they're two big guys that assume almost half of the cap by themselves are going to be back in action, actually more than, than half if, you really, if we're really getting specific about it. Uh, but overall, I mean, just having everybody back in whole is going to be huge for them. And I think Clay coming back, I want to see that first game back in Oracle. That place is going to be popping, man. And I feel bad for whoever plays them that night because they're going to get the absolute best Warriors performance probably in years on that night at Oracle. So um, I'll let you have the floor and, you know, like whatever thoughts you have as I look up this, this date for his return. But uh, either way, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Warriors fans and the team and, and Steph to have his running mate back because it's been a long time coming. And uh, maybe there's a finals appearance on the horizon for them. If they can keep this level of play up, it's at least possible, I think. I think it definitely is possible. I, I, I is it, It's hard to call a team the favorite in November, so I, I definitely want to jump at the gun and do that. But oh, what yeah. this does, when you ask me what my, what my initial, what I feel about this is, is just I'm so excited as a basketball fan that we can have a team that plays the right way that's you know looked at like this because obviously they always, they've always played the right way. But, and I've, I've always been, I'm always an optimistic NBA fan. I'm, I'm never going to be hit on a team for any reason. That's unless they're really, you know, they, they, they really do something negative, but for to hate on a team because they're good has never been my style. So I never hated on the KD Warriors. Cause I, I just don't, I just don't agree with hating on teams for, you know, them being good. I feel like that's something I, I, I want to watch good teams play basketball. I want to watch good basketball. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that the Warriors had such a, you know, they had that villain label. They had this such, such negative connotation to them. And because they had that one really bad season in 2019, where they really were at the bottom of the standings. Now it's like, oh wow, this you know, like let's root for this Warriors team. Now it's, let's all let's, let's as um, you know as an NBA community, let's cheer for this team and and actually appreciate the brilliance of Steph and stuff like that. When before it was always like, oh Steph had a good game. Like everyone hated him, and I I never understand that when when guys are good, when athletes are good people, and we hate on them. I just don't. I, I'll never understand that. When guys are assholes, I totally it's warranted. It's warranted to hate guys that <laughs> sure. aren't good people. But the Warriors have always been class act. They just so happen to be very, very good. So it's not their fault. Um, so I'm excited as a fan to now be able to, you know, say, oh, you know, I, I like the way the Warriors play, and not get absolutely, you know, trolled and hated down. Oh wow, well, you know, you're you're a bandwagon. It's not. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a fan of them. I'm obviously a Knicks fan first, but I can still, you know, appreciate the way they play the game. So that's I, that's one thing I'm really excited for is being able to do that. You know, with 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 you know without being embarrassed about liking a team that's really good because that really shouldn't you should never be embarrassed like a team that's just good at basketball yeah you know john that's a good point uh a lot i think a lot of times as we see teams go through an extended stretch of winning basketball there's like winners for fatigue that sets in uh and it's kind of weird to think about that but it's definitely a thing i mean even for me i'm not gonna say i was like hating on the warriors i was never like rooting against them but there came a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready for another team to step up, another team to be a champion, another team to, to roll the West. Cause I don't want to see the same team win every year. And that's kind of where I was for a while. And with anything, you know, if you succeed at any point, you're always going to have haters, you know, people are going to say I was a fluke. 
people are going to say, you know, you cheated or whatever. People are always going to find a reason to hate, you know, if you're at the top. So the Warriors were a victim of that for a long time. Clay was a victim of that along with Curry. It's like, oh, Kirk, Clay, instead of appreciating Clay for the player he is, which is one of the best shooters of all time, a lot of people would say, well, he's only successful because he plays with Curry and, you know, he can't carry a team and, you know, he can't create his own offense and stuff like that. And it's like, there's some truth to that and definitely a lot of false advertising. Uh, you know, maybe Clay can't carry a team by himself and, you know, average 30 points is the main guy. But I mean, like to say that he's only successful because of Curry, I mean, that's definitely short-sighted and not true whatsoever. He's just a great player in general, a great two-way player. Uh, on top of that. Uh, so we definitely have to point that out. But while we're on the topic, uh, I went back and uh, looked at their first opponent, uh, the first possible opponent. So I went to the week of Christmas because this is coming off a road trip. Uh, so we can break this down here real quick. Uh, December 11th to the 18th, they have a road trip, Eastern Conference road trip. So they play in Philly, Indiana, uh, New York. That's that game you're speaking about. Boston and in Toronto. So they have those five games and then they come back home the week of Christmas that Monday, they play uh, at home. Do you want to take a stab at who they play in that first game at home after that road trip, the week of Christmas? I'm not, I mean, I wish I had the schedule, man. I wish I could just, you know, I, I could cheat like this and have the schedule for me, but I don't have it in front of me, man. It's gotta be a good team. It's gotta it's, be. Uh, it's, it's quite the coincidence rivalry. that they're playing this team. I'll give you that hint. It's not the Knicks. If it's the Knicks, I'll you know say well. Uh, uh, that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, that that would really bother me. That would really yeah. upset me. Um, I don't want to say the Lakers. I want to say it's got to be okay. I have like a thing of the NBA teams right now. On my wall. I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank right now. There's got to come on. a team you? that uh, you know, yeah, give me some kind of a hint. A, a team that well, we've definitely uh, kind of touched on not too long ago. No way, it's the Kings. It's the Kings. Yeah. Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna get yep. the show. No, yep. see the funny thing is the Kings were not even a team that came to mind just now. That's just very indicative of the way the Kings are. Like I had no point. I looked them at the wall next. It's like a, it's a really cool picture of like a bunch of different players with like the NBA logo on them. It's really I, I got to show it to you sometime. Yep. But I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at the Spurs. I'm looking at the Bucks. I'm looking at all these teams. I'm thinking to myself, you know, why would Aaron ask me this question? <laughs> well, the, king, the kings are in for it dude oh man that's, that's brutal well they can't that's catch a break brutal. man i mean we, yeah. we just got done hammering them they have a new head coach and all this other stuff and wow they might get clay's first game back in oracle in two and a half years that's just rough man <laughs> it's rough i mean it might not be that game because they do play uh a few it's nights gonna be that game it's gonna be whichever game is the home game with the first, like that like that they're not gonna do it on the away. Yeah, now that you're saying it, they won't do it on that. I'm uh, doing that that uh, road trip. They're gonna do it when they when they get back. And it's yeah, yeah. Cool. It'll be after that for sure. I mean, they do play the Grizzlies a few nights later. It's also a home game, so I think that's also a possible game if they can return. Uh, and then right after Christmas on the 28th, they play the Denver Nuggets at home. So I think any one of those games are possible. But that Kings game, I'm circling that date. Uh, because I just I love how things just kind of come full circle in the NBA, man. Like we just get done talking about them and it's like, oh, wow, look at that first opponent, you know, that I feel sorry for already. So <laughs> that's a tough blow for the Kings, man. But but either way, uh, you know, Clay coming back is going to be huge for not just this team, but the NBA, because like his, his play style is like it just goes to show you you don't have to be this high usage player that dribbles the air out of the ball to be successful. You go back and look at all his games where he had 40, 50, 60 points. 
barely dribble the ball. And I think for like this next generation of basketball players, he's a great guy to look up to because you can teach these guys, like you don't have to be Steph Curry. You don't have to dribble, 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 you know, pull it from half court. You know, you can just, just make sure you're moving off ball. You can just make sure you're cutting on time, make sure you're just always moving and the ball will find you if you're open, you know, especially if you have a great distributor like clay. So I, I love that aspect of clay's game and that that's going to be back in action and a lot of people can just appreciate what he brings to the table from that perspective. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing most from Clay. The fact that like he barely needs to touch the ball to get his points. And then also he's just, uh, you know, one of those do everything like Swiss Army knives, um, you know, defensive presence. I have a huge respect for anybody that plays like really tough defense every night in the NBA because it's so difficult, especially in this league with like the limited amount of contact you can make and like the spacing and the, 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 the space you have to cover on defense. It's all great. So I love that from clay. I can't wait to see that back. Uh, I, I think in the first, within the first month, he's going to have one of those like signature games where he scores 30 off like five dribbles. Like I'm, I'm calling it right now. Um, before we get to like the end of January, it's going to happen at least once. I just, I can't wait to see that again. I definitely can see that happening too. Where they just, I always think about like, just can I imagine taking on my phone and seeing a tweet of like Clay Thompson is going nuts right now? I could definitely see that happening. So definitely in the one possibility, I'm looking forward to it. And would it be nice to see that happen at MSG? I mean, I shouldn't be saying this because I'm, you know, obviously work for, you know, as, as an employee of the team and as a fan, I shouldn't be saying this, but I'd love to see it. And honestly, it won't be against them. It'll probably be against the Kings and, you know, the, um, Alvin Gentry and, and co will, have to deal with the ramifications of that but either way we'll be watching on league pass or maybe it's a, it's on t maybe they, they move it to national tv because it's his return we'll see what happens it could, uh, it should be a good, it could definitely be a good one i would love to see that man if they move it to you know it's on a monday night so i know it's probably not a huge night for espn or tnt but it could at least be like an nba tv game you know something like that so i think it's going to be prime it's going to be one of the great games of the season absolutely like it's going to be a great scene I can't wait to see everybody just kind of like bombard him and just shower with praise because it's a long time coming. But as we wind this podcast down, uh, just looking at how the Warriors might end up this season, we've said it many times. It's only November and a lot can change between now and the end of the season. But it's kind of looking forward to how they might perform in the future. You do have Wiseman coming back as well. So they have two big players coming back that can definitely help them make a playoff run. I mean, at this point, I'm going to have to modify my expectations for this team because previously I only thought they were really capable of maybe hitting the second round. Uh, but there, there could be a lot more on the table for them. If they can maintain this defense, uh, the offense, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it earlier, but I mean, second in offense on basketball reference, absolutely incredible. Uh, uh, Curry, but also the role players have a big part in that. But looking at the, the competition in the conference, Denver, they're good, but they don't have Jamal Murray. The Clippers, they're good. They don't have Kawhi. The Jazz, and I think the Suns are the two biggest threats for them. Lakers, I've, I've said my piece on the Lakers. They'll have to go back over that. Um, I think they're kind of done. But they're, those three teams, I think, are going to be battling it out for a uh, finals appearance. And I think I also said this last night at that party, if it was Warriors – and like Suns in a series, man, please, please, basketball gods, we need that. Chris Paul versus Curry. 
you know, Bikel Bridges versus Wiggins and Clay versus Booker. Oh, man, that would be one of the great matchups, man. So I'll put on the wish list right now for Santa, and hopefully he comes through for a nice little gift for me on, the, you know, going towards the end of the season because that would be a magnificent series, 100%. Wow, I haven't even thought about that. That is actually really – it's funny. We've seen some Chris Paul versus Steph Curry matchups in the past, but the, the Rockets ones really weren't like, you know, it wasn't like a showdown. You obviously had Harden there. You had KD. It really wasn't the same. And then going back to 2014 when the Clippers won that game seven, that was an all-time great series. Oh, yeah. So that, that was definitely – I mean, just seeing that happen now in 2021 would be really, really cool. Uh, but you mentioned – I mean, a couple, I mean, yeah, the Lakers. I mean, I'm, I, there's one thing I want to jump on. Are you calling them now? You, you said you're calling it now. Are you? Can we confirm that you're calling the season for them from now, from November, what is it, 21st? The Warriors and, uh, and Warriors and Suns, specifically? No, 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 I'm talking about the Lakers. Are you calling it right now? Like, that, oh. like they're done. They're done. Yeah, yeah, I'm calling it. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be a first round now, but I think it's, it's going to be first or second round. They're, they're done. I'm, I'm putting it on the table right now. I have zero faith. I mean, if I eat my words, fine, but – I'll say it right now. I they're not a championship team in my mind at all. So we'll, well see. It, it'll be interesting. We'll have to maybe revisit this back in in April. I mean, I I think you'll be, I I have a good feeling you'll be right about that. But we'll see what ends up happening there if they're able to turn it around. Now that especially LeBron's back, we'll see what happens. I'll be seeing him on Tuesday um, at the Garden, which I'm well. Hopefully, I haven't given up the ticket. They're holding, but people at MSG man are holding on to those tickets for dear life. If I don't get tickets for it, I'm volunteering. I'll, I'll be a food. I'll be a, a working a food vendor thing. Whatever it takes, LeBron. Whatever it takes to get into that <laughs> game. But you mentioned some of the teams like the Suns and the Jazz that are probably likely going to be there with the Warriors. I want to make sure. I mean, I, I, those are definitely the two teams that right they're going to have a great regular season like they have in the you know last year, the year before that. The Suns not so much, but of course, right? The Jazz have been a good regular season team for the last few years now. I'm looking at some of these other teams that might make a run at it too. The Clippers, they're a weird team, obviously playing well without, without, uh, without Kawhi being in the, in the rotation. He, is he coming out? Is he coming back to season? It's, I don't, I'm not even sure if that. that I doubt it, but it hasn't been confirmed yeah. right now. Yeah. It hasn't been confirmed that he's out. So we'll, I, I, Paul George is playing well. I've seen some stuff, but I, I don't know what, I'm, what I feel about them. The Nuggets and the Mavs, I think the, I, I honestly really think the Mavs, can, they've been so wonderful on offense the last few years. That could they put some, could Luke be good enough to put something together to get him out of the first round? I think so. I think this might be the year where they where they actually, you know, he's always made noise in the first round and always had those 40-point game-winning games. But is it something where they can actually make a little bit of an improvement on that? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I definitely want – I think that those top three teams are pretty easy. The, the Whoever that fourth team in the West is going to be, that's going to make it out of that first round. If, let's say those – let's say Warriors, Suns, and Jazz do it. Mavs, Nuggets, I would have to go with the Nuggets, I would think. It'd have to be the Nuggets, because I'm looking at these other teams around here. Mavs, Clippers, Blazers, Grizzlies. I don't know. It's tough. Lakers. Mm, I, know, I know how you feel about that. I don't know which one of those teams has a shot at doing that. And I, I would have to say the Nuggets. we got to give uh, Jokic's respect as an MVP, which very few people do. But, yeah, it's a, it's a talk. Normally, the West is stacked all the way through. You're looking at all eight teams being like, okay, all eight of these teams can be legit playoff teams. Absolutely. I'm not seeing it this year. I'm seeing that in the East. The East is a different beast, man. Like I've, I've said it many times. And I think we've touched on this. The East is going to be an absolute dog fight. Like whoever makes it out of the East earned it like hands down. Like they're just, I mean, I think that we could honestly have, you know, an Easter conference winner again this year, you know, no Eastern conference champion. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely gonna be something to monitor, but in any case, we definitely kind of went through the tale of two teams, two different teams on this one. We have one team that just can't get things right. One team that seems to always be in the thick of the playoff race, championship, 
great management, great coach. So uh, let this be a roadmap. Let this be like a cautionary tale to the teams out there. Uh, there's one way to operate that's going to get you to the top and then one way that's going to set you back every year. So uh, that's that's pretty much wraps it up, man. I mean, that's kind of like what I wanted to touch on today with you is those two extremes. But uh, a lot of teams fall in the middle of that. It's hard to be great. But I also think it's hard to be as bad as the Kings have been. Let's just be real. It, it takes talent to be that bad year in and year out. So that ends my rant on the Kings and in bashing them. I'll let them get back to their regular programming. But uh, John, always a pleasure, man. Always a great time to jump on this pod and, and get you in here. Uh, we're going to have some other guests coming in here soon to kind of um, join us. Um, we're, I'm going to have some guests in here. John's going to have some. And I would actually love to maybe get like the three of us in one where we have a guest and then me and John are kind of bouncing off of them. And like I said, I definitely want to get a coach in here or like some co- a guy that's been at least been a coach in the past to touch on that contract situation. That's definitely something that um, is going to be swirling in my mind for a minute. But um, John, um, best of luck to you, man. I know that that MSG gig is awesome. Uh, you know, SBC shot you out earlier um, this week as one of like the success stories. So I, can't, I, I still can't believe those. I, I can't, I, I can't deal with it. I can't, every time I see that, I get a little emotional. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie. I would too. I would too, man. And I hope that, uh, you know, even if Clay doesn't play that game next month, that at least Curry can put up 40 for you just as a, a nice little kind of gift to you. So I want 55. I want to break the record. Cause I had some friends that went to that game. This was before I was going to basketball and they always tell me like, Oh, I saw Curry's 54. Oh, it was an MSG. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's yeah. That's a special yeah. game, dude. So maybe I can get mm, Can I wish on, is that, is it right? Aaron, is it, is it right for me to want that to happen from an opposing player? I don't know. Sometimes I, I always root for a Giannis quadruple double, but a next W that's kind of how I operate. I've never gotten to see it obviously, but that's always, you know, root for, you know, want your favorite players to play really well. But then they just pull it out in the end. That's kind of been my, my MO for the last few years. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, definitely always the pleasure of having a going getting on the show and, and talking about this stuff. This show is especially interesting, right? When you talk about two completely different sides of the spectrum, we really went from the the, the floor to the ceiling on this one. So this was always always a good time. And we'll have to, I can think of a few coaches that would have a lot to say about this guaranteed contract stuff. So we'll have to make something happen. Can't wait. And in the meantime, guys, you can find us at notradeclause.com. That's our website with all the resources. We're updating that as the season goes on. So be sure to keep a lookout for that. And then, of course, our podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple. And then on social media, we have a presence over there. So on Twitter, you can definitely follow us over there if you want to check out some of our content. So, you know, for Twitter, it's no trade underscore clause. You know, Instagram is, you know, pretty similar. So you can definitely give us a a follow on those social networks if you want to see our graphics and other content. And that does it for us. So until next time, guys, uh, you know, take it easy. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, we have more content coming your way. So keep it locked. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, it's Bobby Marks, SBC's lead instructor. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Business Classroom Business of Basketball Immersive Experience in Las Vegas. Taking place July 14th through the 20th during the Las Vegas Summer League, the Business of Basketball program is an immersive training and educational experience for the basketball leaders of the future. If you dream of working in basketball and want to take your basketball experience, knowledge, and network to the next level, this program was designed for you. Majors include the league salary cap, scouting video and analytics, and media broadcast. 
This is an amazing opportunity to invest in your future and the chance for you to prove that you have what it takes to work in business of basketball. Listeners can take advantage of early bird pricing at sportsbusinessclassroom.com. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Please know that space is limited and this program will sell out. So if you're interested in taking your basketball career to the next level, head on over to sportsbusinessclassroom.com today.